Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of Never Seen It. This is a podcast where we watch movies that we haven't seen yet. I'm your host today, Betsy, and with me as always is Trent. Hello, Betsy. Hi, Trent. Today we are doing our fourth in our Time Foolery series from 2010. We are watching the greatest, the best, obviously, time travel movie of all time. The top tier, the best of the best, the creme de la creme. We're watching Hot Tub Time Machine. It has Time Machine in the title. (laughs) Now, I am hosting this episode because I have seen Hot Tub Time Machine and Trent... My dear, you have not seen nope. this movie. Nope. And if anybody has been listening for some time to this podcast, they'll know one main reason why is that the star <laughs> of this piece is in your top three, if not your very favorite actor. Oh. So Trent, why don't you tell us <laughs> why have you avoided Hot Tub Time Machine and uh, what do you know about it? <laughs> well, I haven't necessarily avoided it, but uh, you are referring to the actor John Cusack. Yes, he is the star of this movie. Yes, and up to this point, we haven't covered any John Cusack movies. For some specific reason pertaining yeah. to you. Yeah, I don't like the guy. <laughs> <laughs> Everything that I've ever seen him in, it's not much. I just think he kind of sucks. You can't really explain it. I He's can't. just one of those guys. I have. This is an irrational hatred of the person, uh, of, and maybe not the person, but uh, him, him as an actor, let's say. You're not a fan. I'm not a fan. You don't care. No, I don't I don't really care for his thing. His, his, his whole thing. His if whole he, if he thing. As a thing, I don't I don't care for it. But <laughs> we decided, okay, let's do one. Because we're doing this entire time foolery series, hey, th- here's one where, hey, we can have a fun ending to our to our series, and we can finally get him on the podcast so I can give you my real opinion about the man. <laughs> so about the movie itself. I don't know much more than the premise because I know it's John Cusack, I know it's Craig Robinson, and I know it's Rob Corddry, and there's also a kid. And I have no idea who the kid's name is. I am forgetting his name at present, but yeah. you've seen him before in I other know stuff. his face, yes. yeah. But as far as like plot points or how this machine works, where they go in time, because I I assume they do time travel. I would be willing to bet you can guess one critical thing about this movie based on the title. It's the the time machine is a hot tub. Okay, fine. I I thought that went without saying, but okay. No, I need you to say it. All right, then. Just to make sure you actually understand. That's what's happening All here. All right, fine. Um, I don't know how they discover this. I I don't know what time they go back to or forward to. What reason they go back. Do they know it's a time machine or is it a mistake? How do they get back? Because I assume they get back. Uh, does the time machine break while they're back there? And I, I have no idea what's going so on. So many questions pertaining to time travel yeah. in this specific method of travel. <laughs> uh, I don't really know what else to say other than that. Like, this movie is in the pantheon of, like, dumbass comedies back when, like, The Hangover was very popular. Yeah, this would have come out a couple of years after the first one, I think. Yeah. So, yeah, I get that People were trying to capitalize on that kind guys. of... Whatever that genre of film became, I don't think it's really a thing anymore. No, it pretty well died out not that long after it began. Yeah, so, again, I... 
I'm really curious. I don't know what your history with the movie is. Like, when did you see it? Did you did you remember enjoying it? I think I saw this pretty soon after it came out. I'm going to guess it was either on Netflix or I got it from the library because that was right before we started dating when this came out. Yep. And I had a lot of free time. I lived alone. I was single. I rented a lot of movies in those days. Mm -hmm. So if it was on the shelf, it's something I would have grabbed just hey, to pass I've heard the time. Of this. Yeah. So I've seen it once. And I haven't seen it again since. And I was perusing the IMDb page. And there are definitely some people you will recognize in this movie. I'm sure. That I didn't know who they were in 2010, but I know who they are now. Yeah. And just to reiterate, uh, none of these people have been on the podcast before. so Not to my recollection. Yeah. Craig Robinson, we have seen in quite a few things. He's usually a supporting guy. Mm -hmm. uh, he's never really a star. Uh, Rob Corddry is fantastic. But he's also only in supporting roles. So, and having everybody kind of be center stage here is going to be an interesting thing because maybe them collectively will carry the movie and John Cusack will also be there. I have no idea. <laughs> so, yeah, that's all I got to say. Well, then, with that, we're going to go now. Trent is going to experience the pure joy, the thrill, the excitement that is Hot Tub Time Machine. Please stop hyping this up. <laughs> <laughs> and with that, we are going to go watch it and we'll be right back. All the way from 1986 back to present day, which as of this movie was 2010. Trent, that was Hot Tub Time Machine. Yes, it was. What <laughs> did you think? What was this movie? <laughs> you know, I normally do not like movies like this. Uh-oh. Where it is just dude humor. It's like, the easy joke. I am not this guy. I have never been this guy. Like, the dumbass bro. And these aren't even, like, bros. They're, it's bro humor. It's it's the dumbass guy humor. I'm you usually not into this kind of shit. And I had a, I had an okay time. It was... <laughs> it was as, as expected. Yes, it is bro humor. There is... They take the easy joke nine times out of ten. Oh, yeah. Where it's like puking and bodily humor. Yeah. Nothing and here gay is gay jokes, like yeah, gay bashing gay your panic. friends. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's all of the predictable kinds of jokes. Nothing here surprised me. No, it's not high art. No. But overall, I get what they were going for. Some of it did not make any sense. But as far as it being the coda on our time foolery, this was some time fuckery. <laughs> I am really amused by the fact that they use the word tomfoolery in this yeah. movie. That could not have worked out better for us of all of the movies. <laughs> yeah, this is in the vein of a lot of other movies, such as Hobo with a Shotgun and Snakes on a Plane. It just tells you exactly yeah. what's going to happen. Whoever wrote the movie said, this would be a funny title for a movie, and they pitch it on that, and it gets greenlit. 
Then they worry about what is the actual plot. And that's what it feels like. They came up with the title and the premise, and they just worked around that. And sometimes that's okay. Like, this is so not concerned with how time travel works or why this is happening. It is not that kind of a movie. (laughs) They give it an explanation, but even the explanation they give doesn't make any sense. No. Because the hot tub also seems to be magic. Yeah, the hot tub itself is, like, sentient and, like, trying to lure them in. Like, when they first see the hot tub, it has a dead raccoon inside. It is not working. And then it just miraculously fills up, and you hear the angel choir singing, and it's glowing and welcoming them in. And they get in, and they spill a Russian energy drink that is not legal in the United States because it contains some ingredient nobody can pronounce, I guess. I don't know. And because they spill it on the console, that is what sends them back in time. Sure. But again... It's time fuel. The the hot tub didn't work, and it just then magically did. So even though... After they pour more of it on there. But that's what I'm saying is, there's no real good reason... For this to be a time machine. <laughs> Except Chevy Chase. Except Chevy Chase. Chevy Chase is the thing that brings it all together. He's the one that makes it all make sense. He's the magical time wizard mm-hmm. who is there to guide them on their journey. And he is abstractly real, but also he's not real. Yeah, it's almost as if Chevy Chase himself like wasn't even there. I mean, like, on set filming for the movie. I think he was. Like, like, he filmed all of his scenes separate and apart from all of the other guys, and the only time that he is actually on screen with another actor is with the kid. I mean, you're not entirely twice. wrong. That happens twice. He's with the kid in the room once when he's, like, shaking him by the lapels, and another time in the hallway with the cigarette machine. That's the only time Chevy Chase is with another actor. You're not wrong because every other time he is, like, in the room opposite them. Yes. Like, being shot by himself. Which, knowing his reputation... Yeah. ...wouldn't surprise me in the slightest. Especially around this time. Yeah, this was the beginnings. The beginning of the end of him having any sort of good reputation. And this was all coming out around the same time when he was on that show Community, where, like, all of the other actors says, Yeah, yeah, Chevy Chase is a real asshole. Yeah, Chevy Chase cares about Chevy Chase, and that's yeah. kind of the extent of it. Yeah. Like, he's not even really trying to hide it. Like, I, I can't think of any, like, specific examples, but, like, pretty much that entire cast and crew, whenever Chevy Chase w- 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 would do something, there are stories out there ab- about it. But if you're going to cast a guy in this kind of movie, he's kind of perfect because he's one of those dudes that was really famous in the 1980s. Sure. So in some weird way, it makes sense, regardless of his reputation, for him to show up in this movie. Yeah. And there's only him and one other person who you associate with the 1980s, and the other one being William Zabka. (laughs) In the movie, sure. In the movie. He's not playing William Zabka, nor is Chevy Chase playing Chevy Chase, but they're both people known for the height of their fame coming in the 80s. Yeah. The only other person that you could really throw in here to replace Chevy Chase, if that was a thing, would be Bill Murray. Bill Murray would be the magical hot tub guy. He would have been really funny in this movie. He would have been funnier, but but then... But he he wouldn't wouldn't have made as much sense. No, but he would have made it a better movie. 
Also, he would have wanted to be in more of the movie than Chevy Chase was. Perhaps. But that's all to say, this movie is fine. Like, it's not amazing. There are already things 10, 12, 13 years later where it's like, we were doing that in 2010 and it's very cringe and it's because of the kind of movie it is. It like, yeah. like we keep saying the bro humor, the easy yeah. jokes. Yeah, like we said in the intro, the hangover type of type of movie was very hot. A lot of guys were going to see see these movies with their with their buddies, and it's fine. It's an easy paycheck, and that's kind of how all these actors are are playing it. Like this is an easy paycheck for all of them. Oh yeah, there's nothing very challenging that they have to do. There's yeah. not really any like crazy stunts and things like that. There are scenes where their characters are like skiing down the mountain and hanging off of buildings, but it's not them. It's not they them. don't have to prepare for that crap. No, no. every single main actor here is playing exactly what they play in every other movie. Craig Robinson is just playing this very introspective black man. Uh, John Cusack is, I don't know, the leader. And he's, I don't know. J okay, let's let's just talk about Clear John the Cusack. Air. Let's John say. Cusack was fine in this movie. <gasps> he was exactly what I expected him to be. Just like Rob Corddry is exactly Rob Corddry. He's an asshole like in that. Like he is in every other fucking movie. I don't believe that Rob Corddry is really this guy, but he plays it very, very well. He really does. And he's kind of this character in every movie. He is the brash asshole that has a lot of energy. And he brought it. I'll tell you that. He is the one who is instigating all of this nonsense. Yeah. And John Cusack is the straight man, effectively. He's, yeah. He is the heartthrob, if you will. Like, the the guy who, when they were kids, was getting all the beautiful women. Sure. Because he was the cute one. And so now he is just kind of this broken, middle-aged man whose yeah. girlfriend dumped him. Yeah, and, like, we'll, we'll talk about it more, but there's also this, this thing about okay, all these guys are in their 40s and they're thinking back to their golden years and questioning all of the decisions that they made and like, what if, what if, what if? And that's kind of present through all of these time travel movies that we've watched for the, for the show and outside of the show. And I get that. Being an almost 40-year-old man, I think about those things too and I appreciate that. But in the context of Hot Tub Time Machine, <laughs> <laughs> I, I have a hard time really grasping onto the gravitas that they're trying to throw at me. <laughs> well, they show how all three of them have grown up and their lives yeah. all kind of suck and they go back to their literal glory days, this great weekend they had when right. they were like 20 or whatever years old and they have a chance to do it differently, but they are at the beginning playing by the rules of time travel. You have to do it exactly the same way we did it, yeah. the way it happened, or we have no chance of getting home. But, however, yeah. Where this movie differs from pretty much everything else we have watched, Lou at the end makes the decision to stay. And so by the end of it, they say, fuck it. They all start doing whatever they wanted yeah. and they completely deviate from the plan to change history. And I kind of appreciate the fact that they just, you throw caution to the wind and they do the thing that you're not supposed to do. And I appreciate that for for a time travel movie where you are like hiding the shadows and everything else. But in this case, they are themselves in this in this time. And you have to do all the things that you are supposed to be doing, at least make all the decisions and whatever else. Yes. Yeah, so in this one, 
It's a little bit of source code where they have been uploaded into other bodies, but those bodies are their own. Right. Just younger. Right. And it does make more sense for this movie to have them be themselves. And I, I thought that was a nice a, a nice touch. <laughs> you you bought it. Yeah. That in this version of time travel, you're just what you looked like at that time, which you get the kid involved who wasn't alive in 1986. So he, he just, just looks, looks like, like him. himself. And <laughs> again, it is an easy way out to have just have him there be the extra character be the be the guy who is trying to bring everybody else together i guess he's the voice of reason yeah this kid is like i need to be conceived because i was born approximately nine months after this weekend (laughs) yeah and if you guys deviate from the plan then i'm screwed (laughs) and it doesn't matter what happens to you guys but it really matters what happens to me there are extra stakes for the kid and that does add an extra element to this movie that makes it a little bit more interesting yes, because it the, raises the stakes. Yes, but the resolution is completely expected. Oh, it's of completely course, predictable. Of course Lewis is the father. There's literally a line when they're in the car on the way to this place Yeah, where he says something about kids and not being a dad and they immediately cut to him. Of course. So it's like once you know... It becomes very, very obvious, and it's throughout the movie. But even before then, it's like, well, I have also seen movies and know how movies work, especially when we're talking yeah. about time travel. Yeah, and they bring up all of those other movies. Like, Terminator. Like Terminator, where the guy goes back in time and fucks Linda Hamilton, and that's what creates John Connor. And he has to, because if he doesn't go back, then he can't he send won't himself back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so they're playing on the tropes to a degree. But that is really the major one where you're like, well, yeah, one of these guys is going to fuck his mom. Yeah. And when she shows up, you're like, yeah, that makes sense. I, I knew that was going to be there for, from pretty much the get go. And I was even a little confused. You had to, I had to stop the movie and like, like, this is so complicated. I needed to figure out, okay, what's the relationship between John Cusack and the kid? Because I completely f- missed that he, he was his uncle. They really don't touch on it for very long. They have yeah. like one conversation when he shows up at the beginning But he does address him as like, oh, well, that's, you know, she's your sister. Something about his mom being your sister. But yes, that is what happens when you have an uncle is they're Mm -hmm. they're usually related to your mother (laughs) or your father. It it seems like a contrivance for for that relationship to be there because otherwise it'd be it'd be too weird. It's just a reason to make John Cusack's character really uncomfortable at the end of the movie when they realize that Lou has to complete his mission Uh because if he does not go all the way and complete his mission, as it were. yes. Then this kid will not be conceived. And while that is happening and he is screaming a bunch of random obscenities, John Cusack Uh is listening outside the door. Yeah, they're standing outside the door. What the fuck? It's just, uh, like I said, to make it as uncomfortable as possible because that's what this kind of movie is. Yeah. And uh, like when they were like freaking out in the room after they time travel and they realize that they tra- that they did time travel, everybody's talking about, okay, this is what I did. I fucked this girl. I fucked that girl. I got stabbed in the eye with right. a fork. Right. How many times do they have to say that in the movie? But it is the winks and the nods and like all of the 80s references that really make it, I guess, over and beyond a like crap movie. Because again, it is not a crap movie. I'm not going to sit here and say I didn't laugh at it. I'm not going to sit here and say I had a bad time watching it. But again, I I don't go after movies like this because I have these feelings about 
good God, there's so many fucking weird jokes in here that are that are completely dated and everything else. It doesn't bother me that I, I, I understand that this movie came out in 2010. A lot of things have changed. I take movies in their context. But in 2010, we shouldn't have been saying those things still. And it's just, we appreciate clever humor. Yeah. Or if you're going to be silly, like go full silly. Like there is a moment in this movie where Craig Robinson says, it's some kind of hot tub time machine. And he looks directly at the camera. Yeah. It's like, that's really stupid, but it's also really funny. Yeah, you should have embraced that a little bit more. Yeah, go completely silly as opposed to, let's just say fuck as many times as we can and make yeah. cum jokes and, sure. you know... And- blowjob jokes and, and there's like references to a lot of uh, apparently i just read this there's a references to a lot of other john cusack movies like yeah. he's wearing clothing that he kind of also wore in say anything there's also a joke from better off dead there's a guy who's like i want my two dollars yeah that's another john cusack movie reference when they break into the house and they're sitting on the counter that's a 16 candles reference which he is also in he's by no means the star but he's there all right which of course makes sense because he produced this movie and he's in the movie yeah apparently he and the director are like really good friends there's a lot of stories about john cusack being friends with everybody He's from Chicago. He's just one of those guys who's been in the industry for a long time. And it's true. he's just a nice guy. Like, I've never heard anything controversial about John Cusack. No, and when I say I don't like John Cusack, it's not him personally. It's just, I don't get why people really, really like him. His we, shtick. Yeah, we had an emailer a long, long time ago. If you're listening, hi. Uh, but we had an email a long, long time ago about the fact that she loves John Cusack and, and thinks he's just great. I've never heard anybody say a, a, a reason why they really love John Cusack. Is it because he's just kind of the aw shucks kind of a guy? I think he's a little bit of an everyman. He has an approachable kind of charm. He's not one of these guys that is like the greatest actor in the world. He's yeah. he's like in the, in the Keanu Reeves camp of actors where yeah. it's like, are they bad? No. They they do their own thing. But am I going to call them the greatest actors of all time? Absolutely not. They are perfectly yeah, fine. He's not like traditionally, conventionally handsome where like he's not Michael Douglas in the 80s. No, but in the 80s, John Cusack was his own brand of Midwest adorable. Yeah. He was. And that has been able to carry him through a lot of years of Hollywood. Yeah. And it's maybe just the most recent years where he's also kind of gone down the Nick Cage route. He just makes a lot of stuff. He just says yes to everything for a paycheck. And it feels like that this was part of that, but it was more, hey, I'm I'm not going to put you in a shit movie. I'm going to actually put you at the helm of this thing and you're going to help produce it and you're going to be able to steer the ship a little bit so that you're not in a crap movie. And he signed on because he thought the title was funny. Yeah, he That's signed on. That's pretty much on, the reason. Well, also his his best one of his best friends was directing it, so Well, yeah, that helps. But if you were an actor and you were presented with the opportunity to be in a movie called Hot Tub Time Machine, you're at least going to go, what is that about? And my name is John Cusack and it's 2010 and I haven't been relevant for a decade. (laughs) Yeah, sure. You're going to take the paycheck. Shut up. He made some cute movies in the aughts. Maybe we're going to have to watch some. Maybe we will. Maybe next year. Next year. I'm going to scrounge up all of the John Cusack and you're going to sit there and you're going to take it. (laughs) Jesus. All right. Uh, But another another person who is in this movie to completely segue is Crispin Glover. 
yeah. who is best known, I would say, for playing George McFly in Back to the Future. So they also grab another 80s actor who is specifically known for a time travel movie. And he is like an angry bellhop who's missing an arm. And when they go back to the 80s, he has both his arms and it becomes a running joke throughout the rest of the movie. How is how and when is he going to lose his arm? Yeah, but beyond the fact that, oh, it just happens to be this night when he actually loses the arm. I do think that all of the different fake outs were really funny. <laughs> it was another element that is just you as a viewer are trying to figure it out. Like, oh, is this it? And they're getting more and more elaborate. Yeah, and Rob Corddry is the audience in that case saying, hey, he's going to lose it in the in the elevator. Oh, no, he's going to lose it over here. Don't take this from me. <laughs> and when it happens, it's just like a an instantaneous moment that nobody was expecting. But of course, because they have changed the past, they changed this. And the ski patrol is able to ski save patrol. his arm. By taking him to to the hospital immediately, and of they course. reattach it. Of course. Speaking of ski patrol. Yeah, Trent. Who the fuck is that kid who says he's Sebastian Stan? Uh, Holy shit. That is Sebastian Stan <laughs> in the year 2010. I have to look into this because I almost wonder if this movie sat on a shelf for a while. Because this movie came out a year before Captain America, the first Avenger. Yeah. And he looks so different. He looks like a little baby man in this movie. Okay, to be fair, in the first Captain America movie, Sebastian Stan is not jacked like he is later on in Winter Soldier. But he doesn't look like a baby. He doesn't, no, but he doesn't look all big like he does in the later movies. This is true, but it just is funny to me because I have seen this movie, but in 2010, I didn't know who Sebastian Stan was. Nobody did. I didn't even... Like, after Captain America, yeah. I kind of forgot about Bucky. And I was like, who the fuck right. is this guy when right. Winter Soldier rolls around? Right. And there's like, oh, it's Bucky. I was like, who? Bucky who? Yeah. <laughs> oh, his best friend from the first movie where who he's Who was in, on like, screen for like five minutes? Well, he's at the very beginning and kind of near the end. And you sort of forget he like falls off a train. Yeah, he just falls off a train and then disappears. Yeah, so he's easy to not remember. <laughs> Let's discuss the plot of Captain America, the <laughs> well, first Avenger. Okay, that's not the plot, but it is a plot point. <laughs> but yeah, Still. Sebastian Stan shows up playing this uh, 1986 Red Dawn obsessed dude who is in charge of the ski patrol. Yeah. And he's really funny in this movie. I wish he would make so many more movies like this. He's one of those guys that I think is actually kind of underrated. People don't realize he has a lot of range. Well, that's the thing about a lot of these actors who came out of the Marvel movies. Like, we just watched a thing with uh, Chris Evans. He did one of those career retrospectives where he talked about all of his his, his most famous movies and, and famous roles where... When they show the Captain America thing, it is like 12 years that he was doing this this role and he hasn't really done much else. So that being said, Sebastian Stan has also been tied into this franchise for almost the same amount of time. And he hasn't had a chance to do a lot of other things. But when he has, it's been usually a pretty funny thing. Like I watched I, Tanya not that oh, long yeah, ago yeah. and he plays Tanya Harding's ex-husband. 
And it's one of those roles that's like a drama, but it's also from two people's perspective. So he has to play it a little bit differently depending on whose perspective it is. Really? Okay. Yeah, because they're talking. I I haven't seen it. They're like interviewing them post all of the events Tanya Harding is best known for. And it's her version and his version. And he's getting to play it. Like, a little bit differently. It's not drastically different. Yeah, I see it. But there are things in it that are funny. He also did a movie uh, probably closer to these early years of Marvel, so like 2011-12, called The Bronze, where this gal came in third place at the Olympics. She's an Olympic gymnast, and now she lives in her hometown, and that was, like, her top moment. That was the best thing she ever did, Mm -hmm. and she has been coasting on that the rest of her life. And he is in that movie, and he has, like, a goofy mustache, and they fuck in a really weird way. But it's funny. (laughs) Like, it's not a good movie. I thought it was, like, an okay movie. It's one of those where you look at the trailer, and it looks really funny, and then it's not really funny. Um, but it's another time that Sebastian Stan just gets to be this goofy fucker. <laughs> All right. I mean, as, as long as we're going through the other the other characters here, Lizzie Kaplan is also showing up here as this, you know, she's not quite the pixie dream girl, but she's, she, she's approaching that in a lot of the stuff that she has done past Mean Girls, I guess. Yeah, she works for Spin Magazine. She is a journalist. There's a lot of Remember thematically, magazines? all three of them end up being into music in some way when they alter the past. Yeah. So now, you know, Craig Robinson is now a producer and he's got like all these mega hits. But he was also into music prior to that. He was. John Cusack is married to this girl who wrote for a magazine. We don't really know what he does in the present here and now. It doesn't matter. And then of course, Lou formed Motley Lou. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And yeah, he does the thing where, in in every single time travel movie where a guy stays in the past, you assume that, yes, they're going to use their knowledge to become rich and famous, which is exactly what happens here. And, yeah. He makes Lugal. Yeah. You know, when you want to know something and you go to the internet and you type in a question, it's Lugal. Of course, go to Lugal Maps and print out your directions. That's also 2010. Like, we weren't in the age... We weren't not in the age of smartphones. We had smartphones in 2010, but the fact Barely. that they're, they're still printing out and yeah. handing them directions to their houses. Like, I got my first iPhone. It was an iPhone 4 in 2011. It was like mid-2011 when Verizon finally got the, the iPhone. It was the iPhone 4. So at, by that point, the iPhone had been out for at least a few years, but I don't know when like GPS became standard on smartphones. And hell, they even make a, they make a joke at the beginning when uh, one of the guys takes out their cell phone and it's, it's a dumb phone and they have no signal. Like, and there's a, there's a joke about like, somebody coming down the mountain. Like, hey, I'm calling you from the mountain. You owe me two bucks. On his big brick of a On cell the big phone. Brick of, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's funny how long it takes them to realize something is unusual about their circumstances. Right. Like, and they like, manage to get dressed, yep. walk out, yep. go all the way up the mountain, yeah. get all the way down the mountain. Put all their gear on, walk through the lodge, uh-huh. and, no, and not notice that the lodge is completely different different and doesn't smell like cats they did not notice any of that yeah and then when they do notice it they're just like oh god it's 1986 we're gonna run into ourselves right and they 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 go inside of the uh i guess i guess the lodge and they start seeing all of the different 80s things 
Yeah, it's just a bunch of random crap on the walls and the TVs, and they're just like, oh, yeah. 80s, 80s, this was the 80s. Right, first we have MTV, uh, MTV's on the TV, and David Bowie is saying, I want my MTV, because of course. Mm-hmm. We have Ronald Reagan, then immediately after that, making an address to the nation. There was uh, that clip of Eddie Murphy as James Brown getting, Do, into, getting a into a hot, hot tub. tub. Yep, yep, I was going to say that. We have people all in their 80s gear. We have somebody putting a cassette tape into a tape player. A guy, a with, a, a guy with a jerry curl. Uh, and Craig, <laughs> Craig Robertson sh- like grabs somebody and asks, what color is Michael Jackson? <laughs> <laughs> and then maybe, screams. Maybe the best joke in the entire movie. Which wasn't in the script. He, made, yep, he that improvised was a, that. That was an ad lib, yep. All right, so I want to ask a question. There is a plot point in this movie where John Cusack, this weekend, broke up with his girlfriend. Yes. And this prompted her to stab him in the forehead with a fork. Yes. And he is about to break up with her in her hotel room. Mm -hmm. And then he gets this flashback to being in a restaurant and realizes, wait, I'm in the wrong place. I can't do this here. Later on, they're never in a restaurant. The circumstances have changed as to how they break up. They're in a bar... And she dumps him. Yep. Do you think it's possible? Because he says this isn't how it went. This isn't how it's supposed to happen. That he's been lying to himself for 20 years because he had his feelings hurt by being dumped by a woman. Because that's the kind of thing a guy would do. Where he gets dumped and he says, no, I dumped her. Well, he even asks the guys saying... I can't believe I would have actually dumped her. Why would I ever dump her? She's the, what do they call it? The white rhinoceros or the something? White buffalo. The white buffalo. The white buffalo. The white buffalo. The white buffalo. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, do you think it's possible that he has been misremembering this event for 20 years? It's possible. Because he told himself that, well, no, I dumped her. And that's why she got mad and stabbed me. Yeah. I don't know. It's It's very possible that that is the case. They don't really give you any kind of clues here, but if I'm going to really dig deep into this horseshit movie, <laughs> then I'm going to agree with you and say, yes, he didn't. Why, why would a guy break up with a girl like that? Especially when it's a guy like that. Uh, because he's young and stupid and that's the kind of stupid crap boys do. But even fucking guys in their 40s, when they think back on the women that, th- that they were with, those women should not be with those guys. Like, there's no reason why... You know, in the mind of a 40-year-old man, or even a teenager in this case, or 20 or whatever, there in, in no world would a woman like this be with a guy like this, or should be with a guy like this. As a young man or an old man? Well, both, really. <laughs> well, all I'm saying here is that, hey, she's hot and he's not. Correct. That's and, what I'm saying here. And he's an idiot. Yeah. And so I'm saying he maybe changed the facts a little bit. That's all. Yeah. Like, I remember back when I was in my 20s and dating somebody and they were younger than me and they were in a different point in their life. Like, by that time, I had, like, bought a house already. I had a full-time job. And she was, like, right out of college and, like starting her first job and living in her first apartment. In retrospect, it doesn't really line up. No, but at, at the end, like we had a, like a, a, we had a mutual breakup and it was just a weird thing. 
Like I was way more mature than she was, but at the same, it was, it was a weird kind of a situation, but it worked for the short time that it, that it lasted anyway. Speaking of an age gap, Craig Robinson's wife was nine at the time of the events that they have traveled back to. So there is a sequence where he is upset with his wife yep. from 20 years from now. Yep. And he calls her as a nine-year-old and yells at her about how she cheated on <laughs> no, him. That was really funny. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. this, of course, changes the future again. Because when he gets back, he's like, I know what you did. I know all about it. And she says, are you kidding? Don't you remember that thing I told you about that crazy man who called me when <laughs> and, I was nine? And, and then she stops talking. Like she he interrupts her. <laughs> and then that's the end of that, that whole conversation. That's the, that's the best thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He manages to convince her never to cheat right. on future people right. by calling her from the past with knowledge from the future. <laughs> That's how time travel works. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I like all of the like very convenient things that that happen to happen. There are very convenient There's things. There's so that many happen. things here, and like I said, like Lizzie Kaplan, just she just ends up with him, and she also looks the same. How we don't know. How did they meet? Oh, it's because Craig Robinson was on the cover of Spin, so now they could reconnect, I guess. But we don't explore that. This movie's like 90 minutes. We don't have time for details. And we're also led to believe that they don't have kids either because there's only one child at that table, and that's the child that was already there. The grown-up child. Yeah, but <laughs> what, the only, like, offspring of the people. This is correct. They're all childless adult men. Right, right. So all of the decisions that were made in the 20-year interim we're all pretty much the same. The only thing that were, that was actually different was that John Cusack ended up with Lizzie Kaplan, Craig Robinson stayed with his wife and she didn't cheat, and Rob Corddry stayed with John Cusack's sister, not Joan. <laughs> Joan Cusack should have been in this movie. It would have been a better movie. <laughs> <laughs> Joan Cusack makes every movie a better movie. She should have been the sister. <laughs> she could play that. Not as a 20-year-old. Ah, they could throw some makeup and a wig on her. It's fine. Mm, okay. <laughs> I don't quite believe that, but all right. Uh, but yes, Lou has stayed with her. Yeah. And they are still together 20 years later, and now they're this happy family. Just imagine how bizarre it would be if you traveled back and now everything is different. This is, again, the Marty McFly thing where right. when he returns to the future... It's the same, but it's different. His parents are different. His car is different. His girlfriend is the same, and he is the same. And they change the sign of the mall. Right. They change the name. But in this one, Lou has had an entire lifetime that none of the other guys were there for, but they were there for him. Mm -hmm. And so he's got memories with these guys that they don't have, and they just have to adjust and pretend like they know everything they don't know. Also, Rob Corddry's character is a complete asshole, and he's probably going to lie to them about everything that happened over the past 20 years. How do you possibly come back from this? It would be so difficult. Yeah. Like, and like, all of a sudden, you are married to this, like John, John Cusack. He's been married to Lizzie Kaplan all of this time. And they're strangers. And they are strangers. Yeah. Come on. I know that there's actually a uh, a sequel to this movie. There is a sequel to this movie. Yeah. This and, one I've not seen. And John Cusack is apparently not in it. Really? Yeah. I looked it up before we sat down. Huh. And he's not on there. Apparently, he is replaced 
by his son, played by Adam Scott. Why? Yeah. Adam Where Scott. Where's his son? He Adam's, doesn't have a son in Adam, this movie. That's that's the thing though. Apparently he and Lizzie Kaplan did have a son that they don't talk about. He's not on screen for that that ending scene. And yeah, I guess they go back in time again. I have no idea what the sequel is about, but everybody else returns, I guess. Okay, but that doesn't even make any sense because Adam Scott is not young enough to play his son. I don't understand this. Didn't stop him before by everybody looking the same 20 years later. Right, but is it another 20 years later? This math doesn't track. I'm not going to watch this movie. I don't need it explained to me. I'm just going to complain. The name of the movie is Hot Tub Time Machine 2. What do you think they're going to do? They're going to make a great movie for the sequel? Maybe. Maybe they did, Trent. (laughs) If you out there have seen the sequel... Should we watch it? Is We're it, not going to watch is, Hot Tub Time Machine 2. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. All right. Well, Trent, do you have anything else from this movie that you wanted to talk about before we start wrapping this up? Yeah, there are actually a few things that I wanted to mention that we haven't talked about yet. Uh, one, I wanted to talk about when Lou is in the bar and they're watching the, the football game on TV. It is the Denver and Cleveland game, which has at the end of the game, which is exactly what he says, the quote unquote drive, the drive, which is. John Elway and the and the Broncos drive the entire length of the field, get all the way down to the end zone, and he throws this crazy pass, and it is like one of the greatest drives of all time. And of course, because it is a famous thing, he's gonna know everything, all, all of the details about it, because sports commentators over the over the decades have talked about it in, uh, at length. And he was there; he saw it, and he knows exactly what's going to happen. But because Betsy. Everything that you do has a consequence, and I guess they're in Denver? They don't exactly explain that at all. But, because things have consequences, when he pukes on a squirrel at the beginning of the movie, Mm -hmm. that squirrel, the puke squirrel, ran all the way to the stadium where the football game is being played and distracted one of the Denver players, hence negating the drive. Yes, the squirrel traveled... To the downtown center of Denver, or wherever the stadium or was at Or Cleveland, time. I don't know. And then went into the stadium, on the field, at that time. Still covered in puke. So the lesson here is, everything you do has a consequence. That's right. Don't puke on squirrels. That's right. <laughs> I wanted to know, what are the other consequences of that? Because I thought you were going to say I want a t-shirt that says, don't puke on squirrels, because I'm not making no, that t-shirt. <laughs> no, I'm not going to buy that shirt either. <laughs> Anyway, I want to know what the consequences are of all of the other things that that squirrel screwed up or all the other consequences of Denver not uh, not winning that game. But anyway, that's a separate podcast. Uh, I also wanted to talk about the fact that they do another Back to the Future thing and they play a future song on stage. Yes. Yeah, they play a fucking Black Eyed Peas song. They play Let's Get It Started, which we could have a whole conversation about that song if you've ever heard the the, original version. The real fucking version of it, yeah. Which should not have gotten written at the time it was written. And then this song became a really big hit. And all I could think about is what it should be. Oh, yeah. 
But yeah, Craig Robinson busts that out yep. for the people, and it becomes a major hit for him instead. And you know what? He does a pretty good job. He does his own singing. I think this was the first time I was aware that he actually sang was and, in this movie. And he sang a really good version of Jesse's Girl? Yeah, he's in bands. He plays the keys. That's yeah. that's really him. Hell yeah. That's the thing about this movie is these three guys are drawing a lot from their own personalities for their yeah, characters. They are. yeah, yeah. Uh, I also had a question about the beginning of the movie where Lou basically crashes his car into his garage. Who who found him? Seriously, who found him? How did they get him out of there? Because if your car is running in a very small garage, run and he's like revving the engine and everything else, how is he still alive? And who would have found him? I mean, it's probably a neighbor or something. He is in a neighborhood. I suppose. I don't think he has a roommate, but maybe he's got a roommate. Again, I, uh, don't worry too much about it. That, that was the they first, don't linger on that's it. That's the first thing that uh, came across my mind. This whole sequence doesn't even really need to be in the movie. It's, again, another reason for them to just say, oh, he's really sad and we yep. need to go on this boys weekend and relive our youth mm-hmm. at this place where dreams are made yeah. because that's how we remember yeah, it. Yeah, and they, they do have the sappy moment at the end when they're about to all go back into the hot tub and he says, I really did try to kill myself. It was intentional. And he's like, yeah, I know. That's why we came up here. But then he shoves him in the time machine anyway. Yeah, of course, because he's an asshole. <laughs> he stays behind. But yeah. he saved his friend, but he did. It doesn't make any sense. It, Just don't worry too much about don't, it. it. It's all for, for it's all for jokes. It's all for jokes. Uh, two more things. Uh, the E. coli pizza thing. Yes, he basically his life choices killed his father. Right. Quite literally. Right. And okay, this maybe gives some credence to your theory where he says to Lizzie Kaplan. Oh, yeah, my dad told me in his dying breath that you're responsible for this. And she says, I don't think your dad would actually say something like that. He did with his eyes. Yeah, he did it with his eyes. No, he didn't. So, yeah, I think you saying that he's telling himself that, oh, yeah, I totally broke up with with her. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, it's totally my fault dad is dead because we begged him to take us to a restaurant and that's what killed him. Yeah. I mean, it's not your fault. The, the cooks didn't prepare the food properly and there was an E. coli outbreak. At a, at a, at a brand new pizza restaurant. That's yeah. just fucking sick, twisted fate right there. Yeah, bad luck. And the last thing I have is one of the only clever, clever lines in the entire movie is when Rob Corddry is fucking the mom and the kid pops back into existence because he did his deed. And the kid says, thank you, and uh, now I'm going to kill you, motherfucker. Yeah. <sighs> yeah, he says that. He says, I'm in prison. I'm going to tell everybody I traveled back in time to murder my own father. Yeah. I, that that maybe got the, the biggest laugh out of me and got, got a nice nice little applause for me, too. It's very rare in movies that they use the term motherfucker appropriately. Indeed. <laughs> but yes, Betsy, that is all I had. I want to I want to ask you though, what did you think about this movie the first time you watched it? Because it would have been right before you and I started dating, and yeah, what kind of mindset were you in? I don't have honestly a lot of recollection about this movie. I remember it being funny, but that doesn't like, I really. I looked over at you and like you were anticipating some of the jokes coming. Some of it, because I have a pretty good memory. Like you do. I can literally 
watch a movie once, and I won't remember it. If you ask me to produce details about this movie, I could have told you probably one thing being Rob Corddry was the kid's dad. I probably could have told you that. I could have told you that before even watching the movie. I couldn't have told you any of the other details, but it's that thing where the longer I think about it, the more we talk about it, the more details I remember. Mm -hmm. So I'm sure that at the time this movie came out, I laughed... And then I just promptly filed it away and never really thought about it again until we're like, let's do a time travel series. <laughs> yeah, what uh, what stupid movie could we th- throw in here as, you know, another time foolery? This had to be it, Trent. Yeah. It had to be Hot Tub Time Machine. It's in the name. We it's had to. It's in the name. We had to. How many movies of the word Time Machine in the title? I don't know. Well, if that's all you have to say about this one, then that is going to wrap up hot tub time machine what do you think of this one everybody do you love this is it stupid and dated is it humorous but you're like i don't understand does it rise to the level of a hangover or a the hangover <laughs> <laughs> tell us all about it we would love to get an email from you never seen it pod at gmail.com we got such an email from our super fan stephanie about a recent movie we covered called goon Kind of fits, don't you think? It's another goofy kind of comedy. Yeah. She begins, I love hockey. I love this movie. It is not what I would call a good movie, but holy shit, we were cracking up through a good chunk of it. Kind of surprising that uh, you, you do like the hockey. I mean, I, people like hockey. People do like hockey. Just not us like, people. I don't know. I, I guess I'm surprised anytime I, I come across somebody who actually does love hockey. And Okay. All right. Where we live, it is not common to be a hockey fan. Where we live, it is a lot more common than a lot of other places. But it's not a thing that comes up in conversation very often. That's all I'm saying. Right. I would say that the people who like hockey are in close proximity to places where they play a lot of hockey. Which ain't here. But she continues, We watched this movie for the first time last night, and I'm not sure how it took us this long to watch it. Especially if you are a hockey fan. Correct. I agree that Jay Baruchel is a crap character, there are tone issues, and it does get weirdly serious. And there are jokes that don't age well. Yeah, sounds familiar. This is another movie that came out about the same time as this one. It It was like the last vestige of people wanting to say that other F word in film. Uh, the love story is unnecessary, and Allison Pill is underutilized, as is Eugene Levy. Yeah. However, Sean William Scott is great. I loved all the side characters, and even Laflamme comes around and is inspired by Glatt to actually care about the team. And the announcer is hilarious. Yeah. We've had several of the local hockey players go on to get scholarships to college, go on to bigger leagues, and a few that have even gone on to the NHL. Yeah, like, we have heard, like... Since that that episode has come out, people have commented, "Oh yeah, plenty of the pl- plenty of our our local players actually did go up to the NHL, but you just don't hear about them because it's the NHL, <laughs> right? Unless you are a really avid hockey fan, right? But thank you, Stephanie, for that email. We're glad you sought out a movie that you hadn't seen. Yeah. I love when we beat you to it <laughs> because." Yeah. For our friends who listen to this podcast who also watch a lot of movies, we're usually quite a ways behind as far as the number of movies that they've seen. That's why we're watching all all this stuff for the podcast. I mean, that's the whole reason. That's the whole point, kids. (laughs) Yeah, get caught up. That should be the name of the show. Get Get, caught up with us. Get caught up with Trent and Betsy. (laughs) But yes, thank you.
Thank you, Stephanie. If you would like to be like Stephanie and send us an email, you can do so at neverseenapod at gmail.com. You can also find us on social media and send us a message on there or comment or share on any of our posts. We see all of it. We'll respond. But yes, share those posts. But most of all, we would love if you would go on to your podcast app of choice and rate us five stars, write us a review. Those things really help support the show and get us in front of more people to listen. Do us a solid. Give us a review. Rate us five stars. And that is going to be it for our Time Foolery series. Or is it? Betsy, what are you saying? What I'm saying is that on next Sunday... When we hit October, but we, Betsy, we, October usu- we is... usually do a thing called Never Scream It. Betsy, October is Never Scream It. What are you talking about? What I'm saying, Trent, is the time foolery rolls on. It doesn't end? It doesn't end here. It is going to cross over into our next series, Never Scream It. Holy shit. We're doing one more to kick off that series, guys. We're doing Happy Death Day. Stay tuned for that one. Stay tuned for that. In the meantime, this has been Hot Tub Time Machine, (laughs) the podcast. (laughs) And tune in for Never Scream It next time. I have been Betsy. And I'm Trent. Thank you again for listening, and we'll see you in October. Woo!